0: Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
1: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
2: Happy Monday and happy Monday to those of you who are headed to your fantasy Super Bowl, although there's still one game up in the air tonight. Joe P and Craig Mish recapping everything that happened in the semifinals right now.
1: Sports Today.
2: Hey, good afternoon. Welcome in. It's Fantasy Sports Today. It is our Fantasy Playoff edition of the show as we head toward the championship this weekend. But first and foremost, we look back. Who do I do it with? Of course, it's Joe Pizapia. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe pizapia 17 You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Bish. Sean Guastamaki is producing the show. And Joe, uh, the Fantasy Playoffs certainly lived up to the billing in terms of yesterday. You know, sometimes we look at these bye weeks. We look at games. You eke out wins, you know, know, 98 to 94, 106 to 103. But, Joe, 100 points, I don't think got it done for anybody in the fantasy playoffs this week.
3: No. Defenses have closed shop, and we've got uh, some of the most unlikely characters making big-time impacts. Rashad Perryman, who I was very lucky to pick up off the waiver wire because I was out of fab, so I just picked him up and plucked him and put him in my lineup at Flex in the Super Flex League, and he had a very nice day. Mike Boone. Mike Boone, Craig Mish, all this time you were waiting and you knew it, you sensed it, it's like you were a Jedi and you looked into the future and you could sense something was wrong in the force, that Dalvin Cook somehow at some point would be out for the playoffs, but you couldn't see with all your clairvoyance the fact that Madison wouldn't be the guy, it would be Mike Boone instead to be the guy to carry the ball over the goal line for some fantasy owners, actually for zero fantasy owners, let's be honest, but unbelievable, what a week. Yeah, it was.
2: In fact, when uh, Boone scored, uh, you know, we'll get into this, but when Boone scored the first time, I was like very happy. I thought it was Madison. I had no idea Madison wasn't even playing in the game. And then I looked and I was looking at uh, the the one team that I still have left to see how many bench points he got. And it was a zero. And then I did my research. I'm like, wait a second, where is Madison? So, yeah, you're right. It was uh, a wild day for sure. But I think that the place that we got to start off with is uh, Jameis Winston, Joe, carrying fantasy teams to the fantasy football championship. I mean, look, I I have been super critical of this guy. At the end of the season, his numbers in reality are going to be horrible. I mean, he's going to end up throwing more interceptions than anybody has in the NFL in I don't know how long, maybe a decade. But in terms of fantasy, and this is, I think, the biggest example of the difference between a player that plays in the NFL and what you need in fantasy football. This is the perfect example. This is why reality does not mimic fantasy, because this guy's throwing for 400 yards every week. He's throwing picks every week, but this is what you want in your lineup. And I know that uh, next week is going to be a little dicey. He's not going to have his two top wide receivers. But at the beginning of the season, he was my least favorite quarterback going in. Not only was I wrong about his total yard total, uh, which is way over 4,000 at this point. That was his over-under. He's going over that. He's got two more games left. But uh, I never would have thought that he would be like the Billy Volek, you know, carrying people to the fantasy championship. But here we are.
3: Yeah, here we are. I think maybe you maybe you should send an edible arrangement or something to Sean because you gave him a lot of crap for Winston all year as a fantasy QB. But you're I was right. Thinking, is- I was
2: thinking just an edible, not an
3: edible. <laughs> well, that works for me, man. <laughs> send one to all of us. It's Christmas time. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's one of these things you look back on it and you you're right. It's it's the matter of how how is he looking versus the fantasy versus the reality. And Tony Romo always comes to mind as one of these guys. It was always a better fantasy quarterback to me than a real quarterback. Um, somebody put a comparison up there which was fascinating, of the 2001 uh, Peyton Manning season. And I don't know if you saw this comparison, but that year Peyton Manning had 26 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, and threw for over 4,000 yards. And it's funny because no one would ever think to mention those guys in the same breath, yet that is about the same point in their career. So this is the fourth year of his career, fourth year of Peyton Manning. And I'm not saying he's going to become Peyton Manning, but maybe, just maybe, we're starting to see Some evolution of him at this position, and it's starting to feel like next week without Godwin, potentially, which seems like a pretty good bet. If he can go out there and get a win against the Texans and somehow find a way to get a W there, that would be an astounding piece of quarterback work. And without Evans, without Godwin, that would be something where I think you have to really sit down and consider, okay, do we bring this guy? Can we win with this guy? Can this be enough? If you had some better secondary players and you had a little bit more, my goodness, I think Tampa Bay might be in this conversation. He's still just 25. With quarterbacks so hard to find and probably not, you know, a situation where they're gonna get one in the draft, do you believe that this is now the guy that they should try to win with? Or do you think this is all just a mirage and they should move on?
2: Yeah, I haven't changed my opinion of him in reality at all. Okay. Not, not not one bit. I I will go back to the beginning of the season and, and I won't change my um, my opinion or my value of him in reality. I would not. What what he has earned is he's earned the right to some silly team deciding that they think exactly what you're saying, that they could turn him around and make him into a mistake free quarterback. I don't think that's ever gonna happen. But some team But next can you season, win with like, him being
3: a mistake prone quarterback? Because if he's the fact that he is so good in other spots? You know, like can you handle the mistakes, I guess is the question. I don't think so. I don't think okay. their
2: defense is good enough. I don't think I think the big mistake that uh, well, it doesn't matter for Arians at this point. He's doing whatever he possibly can to get his team into the playoffs. And although they're never going to make it, I, I get what he's doing. He's basically said, I'm not running the ball. I, I, you can't win in the league without running the ball at all. The Bears have proven that. Eagles, why are they playing well? All of a sudden, they give the ball to, to, uh, to San Titans. Look at the Titans. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't do it this way. And, but but you can play very exciting fantasy games and you can help us win fantasy championships. Absolutely. But no, I have not changed my opinion uh, of him whatsoever. I think the Bucks would be best to move on. And I think that some team like Cincinnati, as I mentioned, or... Uh, Jacksonville or one of these other teams who's going to draft a quarterback and needs a a placeholder. He absolutely fits that bill and I would put him on a one year, $15 million deal and he'll roll out and he'll do exactly the same stuff and he'll make, uh, you know, wide receivers very valuable in fantasy like he has this year. But no, Joe, I'm not. I I really have not. I have not changed my opinion, but I will say this uh, as a Winston owner who hadn't played him in any game, in any league, all season long. No games. I had not played him one time the whole year. Here I am in the semifinals playing Winston. So go figure. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, look. 900
3: I, yards in the last two weeks. You better play him. Eight touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, geez, I had to it. do it. You better Over, do it. Over Brady.
2: I had to do it. I had to. No choice. Vince Coleman texted me after. He's like, you made the right choice. Oh, really? Um, Eli Manning, he goes out with a win, Joe, yesterday. Um, I guess he goes out a, a 500 quarterback. We've had a lot of discussion about it. It was nice to see at the end of the game, uh, you know, the you know all of the good stuff. I didn't even really dive into his stats until we were preparing for the show, and I noticed he threw some more picks too. But I, I get the sense that this is it, right? There's no reason for him to play beyond this season, but it was a good reality story, I thought, for the NFL yesterday.
3: It was. It absolutely was. And I think the this is the difference between the quarterback necessarily that has prolific individual accomplishments versus the guy who is the stalwart guy you can depend on, the guy who would go out there and have the right play at the right time and look you know he beat the patriots twice not once but twice and I think that matters and I would never look at Eli Manning and go yeah that's the best quarterback of his generation um I, I think a lot of years you would look and say he wasn't even the best quarterback necessarily in his own division and yet at the same time it's very difficult because he played in New York to imagine that this guy's not going to be in the hall of fame he's a Manning and I'm sure like, his brother will end up doing the, uh, <laughs> the the induction speech at some point but Eli definitely had some very good years. He had some not so great years. And this last run here towards the end where he was basically a statue and immovable, it took its toll. And this was another guy who threw a lot of picks over the last, you know, five, six years and stuff. But it was nice for him to get a W on the way out. I think Giants fans are ready for Daniel Jones to kind of take the mantle. I think they're excited to see that. If I'm Eli Manning, I kind of just ride off into the sunset. You had a great career. You're a New York legend. You've been able to do it controversy free, which is very difficult in New York. I think you just kind of ride off into the sunset, don't you?
2: You would think so, but again, we can't ever quantify what's in these guys' hearts. And if he feels that he wants to be a backup quarterback, Joe, he could be a backup in the NFL for another 10 years if this is what he chooses to do. If I don't he wants know, to. Yeah. I, don't know, yeah, I don't know what his choice is. Uh, Madison Bumgarner could have done the same, Joe. He made the choice of signing with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And boy, when we had uh, Bernie Pleskoff on last week, he made that case for Arizona. I thought he was nuts. Uh, but uh, yeah, the narratives are coming out that he likes uh, the area and, of course, playing spring training there in uh, Scottsdale. So,, uh, what does this do to the Diamondbacks? Kind of a strange move, I think for them i I did not know that that Arizona was going to be trying so hard this year, but their pitching staff is you know, certainly they replaced Greinke with bumgarner and and are paying him actually a lot less. so pretty good move for them, but surprising, I don't think I think it's caught a lot of people
3: by surprise. Well, I think it was Bernie who mentioned he's got horses out in Arizona, you know whenever I, I, a man I has guess. horses, <laughs> I guess uh, you so. know that's that stuck in my mind. i When Bernie said that the other day, I went, huh, you know, a man's got a family, a man's got a ranch, a man's got horses, he's going to go out there pitch every fifth day. I mean, really, I mean, that sounds like the life to me. Madison Bumgarner doesn't need the biggest contract in the world. He's been paid pretty well. I think at this point he's won a bunch of championships. What are you looking to do? You're looking to be comfortable. You're going to play out your days in a spot where you can be close to your family, close to your horses, close to your ranch and and get it done. And I think he's in a great position to do that. And And I think the Diamondbacks have some players that they can be a. Uh, A plucky little team this year So I think it's a great move For everybody I I think it's a terrible job By the Atlanta Braves Not finding a way to bring him in Because I really thought This was the guy I don't think Hamels was enough But here we go But good for the Diamondbacks And good for Bumgarner And uh, it was time to move on From the Giants I mean because that team Is going absolutely nowhere Wow it's going to be A bad year for them Bad
2: Alright coming up next We got the opening drive Joe and Craig back after this Don't go away
1: pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb
0: halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it
1: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Misch and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. From the
2: This is the opening drive on Fantasy Sports Today, December 16th, 2019. The year is coming to an end, and so are the fantasy football playoffs next week. What am I saying next week? This week, we have the championship coming up. What a weekend it's going to be, folks, by the way. You have seven bowl games on Saturday. It's like a real college football weekend. I haven't seen this ever. Seven bowl games in one day on a Saturday? Okay. Three NFL games on a Saturday? Okay. And a full NFL Sunday too. Wow, we got and a, a
3: partridge in a pear tree. Wow,
2: I mean, try to get me to move this weekend. It's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough to do. Um, I'll go over where my playoff scenario is with you in a minute. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, I listen. I hate this. I, I want to see the best players playing in the fantasy football championship. There is, of course, a part of me that is breathing easy not having Cook or Godwin. I actually had Godwin in one of my leagues that. I would have had Lamar Jackson and Godwin, so I would have gotten to this point and then probably lost, but got knocked out in the last week. Uh, but Joe, Dalvin Cook, Chris Godwin, uh, arguably top two running back in fantasy, arguably top two receiver in fantasy, and they carried you there? And this is the problem, man. Like, this is why fantasy stinks so much. You get to this point, and now what do you do? Probably not going to have either guy this week. Tough one.
3: Yeah, very difficult. And and Cook looked like he, looked like he was in a lot of pain there. You know obviously when he's coming off there with that shoulder he was really favoring that and they put the tent up right away and as soon as you saw it, you went oh this is not good and it's funny because i think a couple of weeks ago we were having this conversation we were kind of redoing the draft for 2020 and i still had hesitation about putting cook number two overall just because he's had this run of good health and it's never a matter of of talent with him it's this is a guy that i have been on for so many years and it's the first year i'm off of him because of the injuries i just couldn't bring myself to do it again and he was absolutely fantastic this year the Stats are absolutely brilliant. Everything you possibly want. Got 13 rushing touchdowns. You already got 1,100 yards and change catching the football. But here we go again, and it's just frustrating when you need him the most here in this, uh, you know, right before the championship game in the playoffs. Here, it's a bummer. It's absolutely a bummer, and I don't think you're going to get him back there, and I don't think you're going to get Godwin back either because that hamstring seems serious. And I think once you already lost Evans, it's it's a, it's a tall order now. They're going to be playing in that one o'clock game. Uh, against the texans on saturday that's the kickoff of that triumvirate of games and i think that winston's going to be basically looking at a spot where it's howard it's perryman (laughs) a bunch of guys that a lot of fantasy football people have never heard of but we'll find out what happens right away it's just an absolute bummer that you're not gonna have Dalvin cook and this is why this is my argument for michael thomas as 1a in drafts after mccaffrey just because i feel like it's such a safer investment on a daily weekly basis it is, but in fairness, if wherever you drafted Cook, you got you to this point, you can't. A hundred percent, hundred
2: percent. I mean, that's that's a big part of it too. No,
3: but I'm just saying, looking forward into next year, you say, okay, it'll, what it'll have be I seen? interesting. I've I mean, seen brilliance, but I've also seen a ton of injuries. You know what it'll be?
2: It'll be it'll be the thing that I did this year, which is what every two. Well, I didn't have Cook, but it'll it'll basically be, um, how do I put it? Okay, uh, players who the. Madison is a number one handcuff in fantasy football in 2020. That's the deal, basically. If you have Cook and you don't back him up with Madison, you lose. <laughs> You're an idiot, basically. You have to do that next year. But I think I'm fine with taking Cook in the top three. I just have to waste a pick on Madison in the sixth or seventh round, just to be sure. That's probably
3: what I would do. It is. It is. And I wonder if there's going to be a holdout this year for him, too, because this is that Could be. crucial last year of the Could contract. I, and they do so have Madison now.
2: I thought so for Mixon, but we'll talk about him later. He's mm-hmm. really come alive since they've rededicated sure the ball to a running game. Uh, okay, another baseball story here. Uh, Corey Kluber, all of a sudden in the middle of the day yesterday, was traded by the Cleveland Indians to the Texas Rangers. Uh, The Rangers, you know, know, kind of lost out, I guess, on Anthony Rendon. They weren't willing to pay that price. Their hitting is okay. It's not great. It's okay. They could, you know, definitely still do more. But this is the kind of message that that we were talking about, Joe. Uh, Message needs to be sent. You're opening up a new ballpark on opening day. Who better to have... Starting opening day, then Corey Kluber. I was at the game last year that Kluber got hurt. It was a ball hit off Brian Anderson's bat. It it fractured his uh, arm. I mean, he had no injury going into the season. And to to know that he's injury prone, that was the reason why. He fractured his arm on a line drive. I was there. Uh, I I think Kluber's probably going to be great. I don't know how this ballpark is going to play, so let's not get crazy until we know that. Because remember how the old ballpark in Texas played before they changed the wind stream in center field. But I don't think Texas is done, Joe. I think that uh, they'll make probably another move or two. And this is great for a fan base, and this is great to energize fans to say, hey, look, uh, we got the ballpark built. Now come see us. We're going to have an ace on opening day. Good move, I thought, for Texas. For Cleveland, I don't know, Joe. I don't think they got much back here, unfortunately. But for uh, Texas, great
3: move. No, I I think later in the week we can break down those prospects. I'll get you those names, and I'll get you some reviews from my boy, Eric Cross from the Black Book, who does all the prospect profiles, and I'll get you some uh, little tidbits on those guys who went over there. But I think it's a great move. I'm going to take it a step further. And for fantasy owners, because – there's a situation where he's coming off an injury because you don't know how the ballpark's going to play. There'll be a lot of trepidation around Corey Kluber, and I will take all of that risk because I think the upside is there still. And all of a sudden now you've bumped Mike Miner and Lance Lynn to where they probably should be in a rotation two and three. That's fantastic. That's a great scenario. And you're right. They do have a lot of work to do still. I don't know if they want to go into the earth Ronald Guzman and Nick Solak at the corners, but we'll find out right away. I do believe that Donaldson would be the logical choice, but sometimes we see logic go out the window. Not everybody wants to go play in Texas necessarily. It's hot and it's, you know, I, well, the one good thing is you don't have that state income tax. So I think it makes a lot of sense to go play in Texas. But at the same time, I think this was a terrific move. You've really solidified the rotation, which I would feel very confident about those three guys. They also brought in Kyle Gibson this offseason too, and Jordan Lyles is there. So you yeah, can argue but, right now that's a pretty decent rotation. Uh, bullpen is okay. They need some more offense. Joey Gallo will be back. Do you yeah. believe in Danny Santana? I don't know. I believe in Willie Calhoun personally, but they still need more help. They need help at the corners, and I think it's very easy to go out and address that.
2: Yeah, I, I was told over the weekend that that Santana's probably going to be the first baseman. So that's something to keep an eye so on. So they'll with move him. Danny
3: Santana over there. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Platooning with, uh, with Ronald. Um, you know, Ronald is somebody I know very well, so hopefully he'll come on our show if he uh, – Gets off to a good start. He's a good player.
3: I just don't know if he, the problem is you want to...
2: He really fell apart last year.
3: He did. He did. But yeah. he's not He's not without talent. I think the other thing is you look in and you see, okay, Joey Gallo missed half a season since you choose getting pretty old. You need somebody else in that order at, at least Calhoun. temporarily. Yeah, yeah well, the Ranger system is actually better than people realize and we'll get to that another day too.
2: All right. Uh, third down here. Uh, Cincinnati basketball. I don't know, Joe. This is one of the dumber endings that I've seen. Uh, kid on Cincinnati uh, with almost no time left in the game. Uh, throws just a Hail Mary with a few seconds left in the game. All he had to do was hold the ball. Instead, he just throws it up, throws it off the backboard of Colgate. Uh, of course, Colgate uh, gets the rebound. Cincinnati fouls them for whatever reason. With less than five seconds left, Colgate goes to the free throw line, makes two free throws at game ends. I mean, all literally this kid on Cincinnati had to do was hold the ball. And, there was, and by the way, there was a lot of bad beats yesterday in the NFL, but this was the worst beat of college basketball this season, without a doubt.
3: Well I believe the quote was he didn't know what the score was. So, so there you go. That comes down to coaching, right? I mean you take all these timeouts and you you know this, you watch a lot of sports, I watch a lot of sports, even though I I, I protest college basketball. We know the last two minutes of a college basketball game, there's five thousand timeouts. There's five thousand timeouts, and everyone's talking about everything and, and you should prepare for scenarios at all times. And clearly this was a, a lack of you know, like a judgment, a lack of awareness. Um, you know, the biggest one always comes to mind is that Chris Weber moment when they were out of timeouts. Remember in the, the big championship yeah. game and he took a timeout and they <laughs> ended up getting a technical foul because they they had none left. And that comes down to coaching at the end of the day. You know, you win and lose with players, but in moments like this, when it's tight scenarios, this is where coaching sometimes fails you. So you uh, can I'll, I'll hang this on the kid all you want. I think the coach has to stand up and say, That's my fault. I did not prepare these guys properly for scenarios. And that's what you do. You go back and you start working on scenarios.
2: All right, fourth down here. We could have saved this for Florida Man tomorrow, but I wanted to bring it up today because the Grinch is here in South Florida, Joe. Seasonal worker for UPS arrested for package theft, and he should be arrested for having the worst haircut of anybody that I've ever seen in a mugshot, which is beside the point. But according to Miami-Dade Police Department, this man was hired as a seasonal worker to help a full-time driver unload packages. He helped unload about 5,000 packages in northeast Miami-Dade and ended up stealing uh, about $2,000 worth of the packages, helping them uh, unload. So uh, note to self, don't hire anybody without, without a good background, I'm sure. They tried UPS, uh, but the Grinch is here in South Florida, Joe, just uh, stealing stuff from UPS.
3: He is, and I can't imagine how difficult it is to be working at UPS this time of year, especially in the world in the age of Amazon we live in. His hair kind of is reminiscent of... You know, in the cartoons, when you're having a bad day and a clouds, just following you around right. everywhere, just raining on you. That's what it looks like. And it looks like it's just literally following them around. It's just a black cloud over his head. And um, yeah, I mean, come on. It's Christmas time. Stop stealing presents and things. It's terrible. And UPS should know better. I understand they got to hire temporary employees this time of year. But man, oh, man it's like uh, it's not. It's a thankless job. It's a thankless job. It's a lot of it. Is.
2: So was is, so is buying the toys. All right, we'll uh, take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. When we come back, we'll dive into the game capsules from the semifinals of Fantasy Football. on not
1: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pesapia. The Monday replay. Well, Help you number one. The Monday replay. Uh-oh. Sounds like
0: somebody's got a case of the Mondays.
2: Get in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook. Listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. Here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make a deposit. Place your first bet. DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus of up to $500. This offer is eligible for all users. Plus, new users will get a risk-free bet of up to $200. Just go to SportsGrid.com DK to play. That's SportsGrid.com DK. You have to be in New Jersey to take advantage of this offer and be 21 years or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 gambler welcome back fantasy sports today craig and joe here with you on this monday as we continue our football discussion for another couple of weeks and we're going to turn the uh, attention over to fantasy baseball folks we're coming on that really soon so hang in there a couple more weeks and then uh, first of the year around that time we'll move over to a lot more baseball discussion but for now joe uh, let's go to the game that had everybody's eyes on which was the james winston game another one of them 458 yards Four touchdowns, 4,115 yards on the season. I don't think he'll get to 5,000, but it's not impossible. He's just been on fire and has carried teams like mine into the uh, hopefully into the finals, which we'll get to in a second. I'll jinx myself. Uh, Ronald Jones, 11 for 23. They're just not running the ball anymore. Uh, Godwin, 5 for 20, twenty-one twenty-one. then that he got hurt. Rashad Perryman, who will be a hot fantasy pickup. I, this is why I hate fantasy playoff rules. No one should be able to pick up Perryman, honestly. It's like a joke. Five for 113, three touchdowns in the game. Wow. Uh, Scotty Miller looked great also until he got hurt. Three for 49 and a touchdown, came out with a hamstring injury. And O.J. Howard, four for 46, if you started him as a uh, back-end, tight-end option. David Blau, 260, two picks. Wes Hills, not Peyton Hillis, Wes Hills, uh, (laughs) off the practice squad. 10 for 21 and two touchdowns. I'm guessing if somebody used him in DFS, that was probably good. Uh, Amendola eight for one and two Galladay three for 44. But of course the story on this one was Tampa Bay. Now look, Detroit did have the ball at midfield with a few minutes to play with a chance to tie the game. It shouldn't have been that close. Tampa Bay dominated really from almost start to finish. And then all of a sudden their defense started letting down. Detroit came back blabbed through a pick six. That was the game. But Joe Winston at this point, the question I think becomes is that what quarterbacks would you start over Winston in the championship this week? You would have said none two weeks ago. But now without having Evans, without having Godwin, I think the question has to be asked, is he still a top five fantasy quarterback going into the championship? And I'm guessing, Joe, that with all the teams that have been eliminated in the playoffs, they probably are are holding those quarterbacks that he would pick up and start. So he's probably going to start for you next week.
3: I would imagine he would, unless you're talking about that Mahomes Watson Lamar Jackson grouping it's very difficult not to put Winston right in there especially with some of the matchups that you have going on there I mean you don't love Brady certainly as a QB one next week against the Bills I don't think you love uh I gotta remember is New Orleans on the road this coming week that's the thing too because you know Brees on the road yeah he's on the road against the Titans so eh. I mean I'll tell you what man you say he can't get to 5,000 I say he can't he only needs two more games of around 250 and I feel like that's just nothing for him now granted he's missing some weapons but Rashad Perryman certainly played well. I could not disagree more because I picked up Rashad Perryman and now playing in some championships because of that performance. So, of course, it's a great thing to be able to pick him up. And uh, look, you're getting the Scotty Millers of the world, O.J. Howard, Cameron Braith, those guys you have to step up in the absence of Godwin and Evans. Here's that other story too from this game. Total between one, two, three, four, five, six running backs, 29 carries for 49 yards for an average of 1.7 yards per carry. This run game is absolutely atrocious. They definitely need to address the offensive line, and they certainly need to address the running back talent that they have in-house next year.
2: Yeah, I just don't like the idea that you can get to the fantasy playoffs and then, without even having an injury to your team, pick up a guy that helps you win the whole league. I don't well, know. isn't that the whole point?
3: You have an injury, you pick up a guy? I mean...
2: What happened if you don't?
3: I mean, that's fine, but I mean, you know, do you, do you have the league set up where you have to have... The problem is it's not like baseball where a guy goes on the I.L., And that's really difficult because even in baseball with September call-ups historically, you and I both know guys just don't go on the I.L. So I used to have a rule in the playoffs where, you know, we have swaps in our baseball league, in my home league, where if a guy gets injured during the week, you have, you know, 24 hours to take him out of the lineup and sub somebody else in. But in September, it used to be just that little injury tag, and you could make that switch because guys would not be put on I.L. So it's very difficult because NFL didn't really put guys necessarily. I mean, sometimes they'll put a guy on I.R. I don't know if they're going to do that with Godwin. They might just wait and see if he can play week 17.
2: Yeah, I, I just don't like it. Um, In my home league, we we cut off the transactions after the last week of the regular season. You can do anything you want, but then once you move into the playoffs, you got to set your roster the way
3: that you want it. And here's my um, argument. Go. I, if somebody's out there useful, go block somebody else from picking them up. I mean, just don't be lazy. That's all. Don't don't sit on your rest. Yeah, but your it's role. not a matter
2: of being lazy if you're getting to the championship. And, and who would have known to pick up Rashad Perryman? Nobody. And now in the championship. we talked about it
3: all week on Black Book podcast. I'm did just saying, talk, like, we talk was, about it on this show? We talked about it on Fantasy Pros. Like, yeah, we talked about it on this show. Yeah. I don't, we talked I don't about Perriman. Know. Yeah, absolutely we did. I don't I don't remember. We didn't do a waiver wire that. Wednesday because of the winter meetings last week. But when we came back, we talked about some of those guys to pick up. And when we were previewing some of these games in the DFS, too, when we did that section, I, I mentioned that look, Perriman's a guy you should add in all your other leagues, too, just so somebody else doesn't have him. Right, but not everybody only-
2: listens to all these things. And well, so- they
3: should. What that's, are they doing with the their time?
2: And so I'm going to play in a championship and my opponents just could pick up a Perryman and play again, play him against me in the championship. It just doesn't, doesn't feel Ball's right.
3: fair and love and war and fantasy football does not mimic
2: reality in that sense. That's for sure.
3: That's why it's fantasy. Yep.
2: Giants beat the Dolphins 36 to 20. Eli Manning, 283, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Barkley finally had his, uh, you know, championship type game. 24, 112, two touchdowns, four catches, 31 yards. Uh, Sterling Shepard uh, is back nine for 111 for him. Golden Tate had a phenomenal uh, catch. It was just amazing. Highlight-type catch. One catch, 51 yards, and a touchdown running backwards into the end zone. Uh, Slayton, two for 31, and a touchdown as well. For Miami, I saw some people starting Ryan Fitzpatrick in the playoffs. That paid off. 279, two touchdowns for him. Laird, 12 for 46. I don't think anybody would have started him. Parker got the contract extension, and out of nowhere has had the season that they've been waiting for for five years with the Dolphins. Amazing. Four for 72, two touchdowns, and Albert Wilson, if some miracle, you had to start him. I doubt it, but he gave you about 11 fantasy points. So the Dolphins and Giants were playing close in this one. It's like the same story with the Dolphins every week. They play very close until the half. They cover their halftime lines almost every week. And then the second half comes and it's like they changed game planning a little bit. It's kind of strange. But Miami, fortunately for them, Joe, has put themselves back into that conversation of having a top three pick in the NFL draft. It was troublesome there for a while. And uh, the Giants kind of sacrificed maybe what could be the first overall pick in the draft. It looks like, barring a miracle, the Bengals draft first overall, and then we'll have to see who else... uh, is in that mix for two and three.
3: And let me add, Craig Mish is breathing a sigh of relief because another Dolphins lost. Am I correct, Craig?
2: That's it. Yeah, yeah. One more. Did you lo- this is, this is the, locked up now, right? Uh, no, a push is locked up. A push up. is locked up. A push okay. is locked up. So we'll have to make that. They play the Bengals. So we'll have to make that call um, after next week. But the major problem with hedging a bet like this, and again, this is a, a four-figure bet. It's a significant bet, is that um, we can't hedge this one. Right. Uh, because the Patriots are going to be such a significant favorite that, you know, normally what you would do is, okay, like, let's say, uh, I mean, we have about, I don't know, like 2,500. So to win 5,000 on the bet. So normally in this case, what we would do is we would take the money line of the opponent for the Dolphins. So the money line of the opponent to hedge, there's no taking the Patriots money line when they're going to be at least, I would think like, 13, 14 point favorites. The money line's going to be huge.
3: Double, double so, digits for sure, yeah. Yeah,
2: so we're going to have to risk so much. So we basically are going to be counting on New England the last game of the season. And it looks like New England's going to have to play for Week 17.
3: So that's Yeah, they're going to blow. They always play anyway, Week 17. Uh, you, can, you can feel good about that. I think you're in a good spot there. Congratulations. And congratulations to Devonte Parker as well, because uh, he has had an absolutely brilliant run. And, and good job by them kind of bringing him back. And, you know, he was in protocol a week. A lot of people were worried about him, came back and played. Barkley's frustrating, man. I mean, this was the Barkley we've been looking for all year. We finally got it now. So at least you could take solace in the fact that he still exists. So it gives you a little bit of clarity going into next year too. okay, Saquon Barkley, still Saquon Barkley that we remember, that we love, that we know. So in 2020, we can go back to taking him as a top five overall pick. So I think that kind of starts to at least solidify in your mind a little bit for next year. And kind of that was important. And one more thing to take away from this one real quick uh, I'm going to have a lot of Darius Slayton shares next year. I think that kid just, as a rookie man, there's a lot of things that kid does well. So he Knows for the end zone too. Shows up big in the uh, red zone area. I-, I like me some Darius Slayton.
2: Patriots, speaking of which, they beat the Bengals 34-13. Boy, I thought this game was going right down to the wire again. It was really close at the half. The Bengals were outplaying the Patriots. And then uh, you know Dalton started making some big mistakes, and that really ended it. So I don't know that my faith is restored on New England, but certainly they did uh, cover the second half of this game. Uh, Brady's numbers are like Unstartable at this point point. 128 and two touchdown passes Again the Pats did it on defense Sony Michelle 13 for 89 Burkhead scrambled in the end zone At the end of the game Six for 53 for him Good game uh, White three catches 49 yards and a touchdown He's the probably Lone startable guy On their offense And Nikhil Harry Two for 15 for a touchdown. Man, I don't know what, I mean, a lot of rookie receivers are doing okay. Why isn't this Harry? I'm not sure.
3: So Well, I mean, uh, I don't know about why isn't this Harry. I think we have to kind of boil this down a little bit because last week he should have had a touchdown. He didn't call it a touchdown. And I think what you're starting to see is a little bit of the emergence of confidence for Brady in the red zone with somebody. And that guy is Nikhil Harry right now. He had him last week. He didn't get the touchdown call, but it was a touchdown. And then this week, another touchdown there. So very similar to Malcolm Mitchell a couple of years ago. It took a very long time. It took almost you know a dozen weeks and some health issues and all this other stuff. But Nikhil Harry does at least seem like the guy Brady's looking for in the end zone. So if you're looking for a dart throw, a guy who has touchdown upside, not PPR upside, but touchdown upside. Nikhil Harry's starting to show that a little bit in these last couple weeks. It's a strong trend. It's a tough matchup against the Bills next week, but oh, it's something no to pay one, attention to.
2: No one's starting him. In the I'm team
3: talking out. about DFS wise. We're looking for oh, min salary wide receivers to yeah. plug in there. That's where not, my mind is. Not gets in next. season long. No. No, not, not, season not in, in season long. long. Absolutely. Yeah, not. well,
2: listen, no. why is Slayton so good? Why is McLaren so good? And, and Harry uh, McLaren, and not. another
3: great man. I love that guy. There's another guy we talked about a lot on the really DFS great, show yeah. yesterday. What a good play he was against the Eagles. And sure enough, there it was. Boom. You see him just running the separation. When he's run away from DBs, is just fantastic.
2: Andy Dalton, 151, one touchdown, four picks. Mixon had another great game, 136 yards for him. And Tyler Boyd, if he was your flex, boy, you're upset today. Three catches for 26 yards. The Bengals are obviously, uh, you know, headed nowhere. They'll have a new quarterback next year. And, um, you know, probably the right thing to do to have Dalton in the game. They've looked good a couple of weeks. In fact, last week they had that backdoor cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept the game close in the first half, but... Um, if Stephon
3: Gilmore, that's what happened. <laughs> they're, they're best to uh, lose the rest what of the season. What a pick there, too. The that run. that one pick on the side there with that one arm, that was incredible. That was just an incredible pick. He has more touchdowns now than the guys he's covered this year. So the wide receivers against Stephon Gilmore have zero touchdowns, and Stephon Gilmore has two. So that's a pretty impressive number.
2: Yeah, we'll see if he wins a defensive player of the year. Probably not. Looks like it's no, he's easy. not going, going to, but he should. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. Back with Packers Bears right after this.
1: Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pisapia.
2: And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you. Get ready to wrap up hour number one. We'll be back for hour number two. If you're listening live on the FNTSY app or over on iHeartRadio or tune in. Thanks so much for listening on this Monday. Thanks for all your questions and comments, by the way. Uh, not only the football stuff, but baseball also with the winter meetings and We'll continue our baseball conversation coming up in a couple of weeks. But let's go back to the NFL. And officially, the Green Bay Packers put themselves back into the playoffs. 21-13, they beat the Bears. Uh, Bears uh, eliminated from the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, 203, one touchdown. Aaron Jones has been an RB1 all season long. Top five guy, probably. 51 yards, two touchdowns for him. Devontae Adams, if you made it through that stretch where he didn't play, starting to pay off a little bit now. 7 for 103 and a touchdown. Mitch Trubisky, 334, one touchdown, two interceptions. Quiet first half, big second half for him. David Montgomery, one of the bigger busts of fantasy this year, just 39 yards, and I'm guessing nobody would have started him yesterday. If you did, you were not too wise. Uh, Allen Robinson, another monster game. All numbers again in the second half, 7 for 125. Anthony Miller has really come on here in the last two. Sure weeks too. 9 for 118 and a touchdown, although Miller made a huge... Seems like it makes a huge mistake every week, but uh, on the, on the last play of the game with the Bears just throwing the ball around, trying to get into the end zone with no time left, uh, they you know they uh, Trubisky's on the ten yard line. They're running it all the way back off the kickoff, and uh, or on the on the last play of the game they throw it to Cohen, they throw it to Trubisky, then yeah, they the throw lateral, it to yeah. the, the tight end, and the tight end's mm-hmm. like about to get tackled. He tosses it up in the air, goes on the ground, and Anthony Miller's just staring at it. I don't I, I don't get it. I know don't know. To- I didn't get it either. He, I mean, I don't know if he would have scored, but he could have went for it and tried they to got pick real, it up.
3: They got a lot closer than I thought they were. You know, whenever you see that stuff, you're always like, oh, okay, this is going to be like three, and then there's going to be a mess. And oh, they every well. now and then, you, yeah, every now and then you get one that gets like you start to. It's funny because isn't it always like watching them in slow motion when they happen, where you're like, all right, where's it going? Oh, there it is. Okay, where's the next it's never one? Never no how close. fast it's. Never, it was very close there at the end. I thought it was very impressive. And then it was Tariq Cohn was right behind him too. And if he had just kind of just chucked it behind him backwards. Tariq Cohen was right there. He would have just had it and ran. Probably nobody's catching him.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't so know close. why that played out like that at the end. It was so close, and you can see how upset Nagy was. But uh, look, the Packers in uh, in fantasy are not as dynamic as they used to be, but they certainly keep getting it done. And uh, the Bears are one of the bigger disappointments in the NFL this season for sure. They're not. They've uh, been eliminated from the playoffs here. They're going to have to figure things out in the offseason. Uh Is Montgomery going to be good? I, I don't know that you could say that right now. Do they need to? make this more of a dynamic pass-happy offense, which is not what they've been all season long. But meanwhile, Nagy's supposedly this genius offensive coordinator. That, that's going to be a tough dynamic going into next fantasy football season, trying to figure out what the Bears are going to be because they've gone completely the other way.
3: If I were the Bears, what I would do is I would go in that fullback system. I would go out there and look for the next Devlin, Kyle Juszczyk kind of guy and get physical running the football. Get the fullback back in there go out there and get yourself some more offensive line help as well. who are good at the run game and give Montgomery another shot. I would move on from the Tariq Cohen situation. And cause I think there's other guys you can get to fill that kind of role. That's what I would do. And I think next year, another guy to keep an eye on talk about Slayton, Anthony Miller's another one's guys at wide receiver three. I'm going to have a lot of shares of because you've been talking about him a lot on this program. Talent's there. The usage hasn't been, the usage has been there lately. Things are going upwards for all of them. It's a good finish to the season for Anthony Miller, and I think that's another guy to watch and kind of remember. And also, you know, fantasy perspective, all those people who took, you know, Aaron Rodgers thinking he was, you know, was all sunshine and roses. Another kind of disappointing day, 203 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that is not what you drafted Aaron Rodgers for. Um, You could get that any quarterback. You know, Ryan Tannehill has kind of blown him away in fantasy points over the last, you know, eight weeks or so. But let me tell you, I think it's Brady, Rodgers, you know, it's time to realize where they're at in their careers. And it's time to, as fantasy assets, recognize that. Yeah.
2: I mean, I paid $13 for Miller in the, in a dynasty league and people were like, wow. Like, I mean, remember somebody, somebody had to pay 12, by the way, for me to pay 13.
3: I was going to say, yeah, somebody else but, liked him. But I
2: <laughs> really liked him a lot. And, um, you know, I even activated him. I didn't have to have him active. Now I only we only get four years with the kids. So I only have two years left with him and I'm hopeful that next year is really that year because uh, he was my favorite wide receiver coming out of college. And there's another kid that reminds me of him a little bit faster, more speed, Jalen Rieger from TCU this year. But I mean, it's just, I I can't believe what a bust he's been thus far until the last few weeks. Uh, Chiefs Broncos uh, 23-3. I think we have to call Broncos Texans the biggest shock of the year. I think that's what, I mean, I know that people are going to look at the Falcons and you know, and they've had two major upsets this year. But to me, like this, this Broncos team did exactly what I thought they would do last week against the Texans, but somehow they went into Houston last week and blew them out. I'll That one will be the big, and I'm not a Houston guy, but that's the biggest shocker to me of the year. But the Chiefs did what they were supposed to do. Uh, Mahomes 342, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Chiefs have no running backs at this point; none are startable, none are usable. They are going to have to go into the draft next year and get one. Uh, Kelsey, 11 for 142, a monster game for him, came through in a big way. If you took him early and survived to this point, that was a huge help. And then Hill, uh, again, fantastic, 5 for 67, two touchdowns. Uh, Denver just refused to get away from the running game. They decided they we're just going to die with this thing on Sunday, and that's what happened, locked through for 208 and one touchdown. Lindsey was in a lot of lineup, 7 for 32, and and just a fat 0 for fantasy. Bad day for him. Uh, Sutton salvaged his day late, had a couple of catches in the fourth. He had 4 for 79. And Noah Fant was in and out of the game with an injury. I know some people were high on him this week. And eh, he gave it seven or eight points in fantasy. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the the Chiefs are starting to play much better, Joe. I mean, I mean, I don't know if I'm completely buying in, but every team has their good streak and their bad streak. It looks like the Chiefs have come out of it a little bit. And they're going to be a dangerous team in the playoffs. We'll just have to see if their defense holds up. But certainly that was the best defensive performance mm-hmm. they've had all season.
3: Yeah, next Sunday night, they play the Bears, so we'll see Uh, you know how they travel there a little bit. But yeah, the Chiefs have played better. Whenever we have Mahomes back, it's good. The lack of balance in the offense, I think, is going to come back to bite them. I really do. Uh, it was great to see a big Travis Kelsey game, although he didn't have the touchdown to go with it. We've been waiting for the big Travis Kelsey game, and at least he gave you that finally. He's been on high floor, low ceiling all year, and that's not where you drafted him. You drafted him in the second round, most likely, maybe even the end of the first a lot of people were even that high on him. I wonder if you're even you gonna go in the draft to get the running back done. I think you go out there and you bring in a Melvin Gordon. You bring in somebody of note. I think you want somebody with some veteran awareness. I think the last thing they want to do is bring in another kid to this offense. I think they're in win now mode. And I think you want to do that by bringing in somebody who has still got something left in the tank, but you know, he's not a project guy. I don't think I don't think Andy Reid is in the let's get a project. He needs to get some he needs to get a Super Bowl appearance again. You know, he needs to get back there.
2: Well, Gordon could be cheaper after last week. After uh, this past, he might
3: season. after that fumble. He just might be a little cheaper. <laughs>
2: yeah, Kenyon Drake is also a free agent after the season too. So, uh, Titans uh, on this great epic run finally came back to earth a little bit yesterday. Texans after being blown out at home against Denver go into Tennessee and beat them. Watson two forty three, two touchdowns, two picks. Hyde is one of those few guys that we're going to look back at the beginning of the season. It's very rare a guy gets cut in the preseason, goes to another team, and has a good year. But Hyde did it. I mean, shockingly did it. 26 for 104. Would you
3: allow him right now if you're Andy Reid? <laughs> you like to have Carlos Hyde right about now, right? Yeah, yeah, they cut him.
2: <laughs> uh, Hopkins, 6 for 119. Kenny Stills had two touchdowns on the bench for a lot of people. And then Will Fuller. Oh, everybody was talking about Will Fuller going into the day yesterday. Uh, 5 for 61. I guess he was okay. Uh, Tannehill, 279. Two touchdowns, one pick. Henry. May have cost a lot of his owners a chance to go to the championship yesterday. Not a great game. Good game. Not great. 21 for 86. A.J. Brown, 8 for 114 and a touchdown monster there. Jonu Smith, 5 for 16. Corey Davis, 3 for 57. Titans actually put up some decent fantasy numbers there, Joe. But in reality, uh, there had to be some regression. Like, there was no way that Tennessee was just going to win every game the rest of the season. But they control their own destiny. And if they continue to win, they'll get in the
3: playoffs. Another great fantasy day for Tannehill, though he had the rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns, two seventy-nine. And the problem with Derrick Henry, especially when you're playing in PPR formats, is when he has a game like this where he's got the eighty-six yards but no touchdown. That's not going to get done because he doesn't catch the football. So that's something you have to understand and build into your roster, know your format, and understand what you're playing in. And on the DFS world too, a reason why you went ninety-one hundred over a FanDuel this weekend. That was kind of a price he really didn't want to get into too much because. You know he didn't have the upside with the catches to kind of cover it in case he didn't get the touchdown. He didn't here. Texans did a good job there. Um, Defense showed up in some big spots, but you're right. Carlos Hyde, another big day for him, 26 for 104 in the touchdown, and Hopkins was good. Uh, Again, another day without a touchdown for Hopkins. Overall, when you look at the season of 2019 for DeAndre Hopkins, you'll look at the numbers and say, hey, it's a pretty good year, but I don't think it really – it didn't really show up on a weekly basis in a sense where it really helped all the time. And that's it's kind of a frustrating game log when you look at it, but the overall numbers are going to be there. The overall talent's still there. They need a couple other pieces around this Texas team, but I don't think either of these teams are going to make a lot of noise if they're in the playoffs.
2: No, but if you had to pick one, who would you pick between the two? Cause I feel I like the they're very Texans similar right now. Yeah, probably so.
3: I'd love to see the Titans somehow sneak in there. I really I'm not, a, I'm really not a believer at all in them or Houston, but this was a big game for them. This was this was a, for the Titans to make a real run here. Realistically, the next two weeks, they had to win this football game, I think. And now they're kind of because now they got the Saints coming town next week. And that's that's a tough one.
2: But they still have a shot. I mean, they do. Aren't they fighting it out with Pittsburgh for that last uh, shot? That last. Uh, uh, they
3: are. They are. They are, but Pittsburgh plays the Jets this week.
2: <laughs> so, Do you have any faith in what you saw after seeing Pittsburgh last night? Pittsburgh could lose uh, that game at the Jets for No, sure. but I,
3: uh, defense travels. That game was pretty tight for a while, uh, and oh, I just feel like
2: their, – Their offense is just dreadful. Oh, it's
3: terrible, but at the same time, I mean, I think they can go out there and beat the Jets with just defense alone. They, can,
2: they can, but, you know, I mean, that game is going to be – I mean, I'm I, without even looking at the spread, I'm going to guess that Pittsburgh is probably three-and-a-half-point
3: favorites. And you would imagine,
2: and that game you would think Titans a,
3: are probably three and a half point underdogs, right? Um, At home against the Saints. Um,
2: I don't. Well, we have to wait and see. You know, that's always going to be a reaction to tonight's game. So I'd I'd have to say fair enough. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know. I, I just I mean I don't. That game could be ten ten with a minute to go with the Jets and and Steelers. They were off there and not. Re- and we'll get into the Steelers a little bit, but. When you're missing and I don't blame them, but when you're missing this many important pieces to an offense
3: uh, for the for sake as a football fan, I'd rather see the Titans in because I think the Titans are a, a team that has a lot more going for it right now. But the story in the narrative of the Steelers losing all of these players, losing their quarterback, losing Juju, losing, you know, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell over the last year and still being relevant. I mean, that's a fantastic story, too, but it's not fun football to watch. I'd rather watch the Titans at this point than the Steelers
2: uh Steelers are minus three,
3: Steelers Steelers are minus minus three. three. right and, on hey, here
2: Saints are pick them at the Titans is that just because they haven't played yet I mean if they were to not play well tonight Joe then the Titans will be favored
3: wow so, wow yep mm-hmm. that Saints defense man lately is not what she used to be yeah <laughs> and, what's and, going and, on and,
2: and by the way uh you know the super contest is coming down to the wire A million dollars on the line And I start to pay more attention out of those standings. I cannot find anyone in the top twenty tonight that has New Orleans. No one. They all have it. Either they, either they're done with their, you know, because you don't have to pick the night game. Either they're done or they have the Colts. That's it. There is no one on New Orleans tonight that is near the top in the Super Contest, which is shocking. Because I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, that's a good matchup for them. Oh, they're at home and the Colts are done. But as we will tell in a lesson coming up uh, in just a little bit just when you think teams are done they come back and they beat you in your final game in Oakland like Jacksonville so <laughs> that's what
3: happens that's right, what happens the NFL
2: is so unpredictable the all worst right
3: time to you what a sad day for those fans it was
2: all right that'll do it for the first uh, hour of the show we got the best of our hour number 1 uh, coming up next then we'll be back for hour 2 we'll break down uh, the later games in the NFL that would include uh, the Eagles and Redskins Seahawks and Panthers that's coming up next You're listen to
1: the sports Oklahoma. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia.
2: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. Uh, Madison Bumgarner could have done the same, Joe. He made the choice of signing with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And boy, when we had uh, Bernie Pleskoff on last week, he made that case for Arizona. I thought he was nuts, uh, but uh, yeah, the narratives are coming out that he likes uh, the area, and of course, playing spring training there in uh, Scottsdale. So, uh, what does this do to the Diamondbacks? Kind of a strange move, I think, for them. I, I, I did not know that that Arizona was going to be trying so hard this year, but their pitching staff is you know, certainly they replaced Greinke with Bumgarner and, and are paying him actually a lot less. So, pretty good move for them, but surprising. I don't think I think it's caught a lot of
3: people by surprise. Well, I think it was Bernie who mentioned he's got horses out in Arizona. You know, guess, whenever a man I, I has guess. horses, <laughs> I guess I, you so. know, that's that's stuck in my mind. I when Bernie said that the other day, I went, huh, you know, man's got a family. Man's got a ranch. Man's got horses. He's going to go out there and pitch every fifth day. I mean, really, I mean, that sounds like the life to me. Madison Bumgarner doesn't need the biggest contract in the world. He's been paid pretty well. I think at this point, he's won a bunch of championships. What are you looking to do? You're looking to be comfortable. You're going to play out your days. In a spot where you could be close to your family, close to your horses, close to your ranch, and and get it done. And I think he's in a great position to do that. And and I think the Diamondbacks have some players that they can be a a, a plucky little team this year. So I think it's a great move for everybody. I, I think it's a terrible job by the Atlanta Braves not finding a way to bring him in because I really thought this was the guy. I don't think Hamels was enough, but here we go. But good for the Diamondbacks and good for Bumgarner. And uh, it was time to move on from the Giants. I mean, because that team is going absolutely nowhere. Wow, it's going to be a bad year for them. Bad.